Hello everybody, welcome back to Scottsdale, Arizona. This is Letterman Rose Playoff Drive brought to you by Buyers Auto. That's Spencer Holbrook, that's Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward as we continue our coverage all week long of the Fiesta Bowl, Ohio State getting ready for Clemson. Uh, guys, a busy day here uh, in the desert, uh, a rainy desert. It's been a, I know that's disappointed Burham and the chief meteorologist at Letterman Row. Doesn't disappoint me at all. I predicted oh, okay. it, I'm glad it <laughs> happened. And I have once again proven that I know more about the weather than you. Okay, so Ohio State, uh, they came to meet the media this morning. We had Kevin Wilson, Greg Madison, six Buckeyes talking about the matchup. Got a little bit of information there and then headed out to Notre Dame Prep to watch Ohio State briefly. Uh, got a brief practice window to watch them. When the real stuff was going on, we were kicked out and headed back here. Um, so I'm not sure how much we got to learn from 15 minutes of practice other than it was raining out there. And while Clemson went and found an indoor, Ohio State said, screw it, let's go outside and get it done. I, I don't know if there's any message there, but that's more of that tough love, right, Spencer? Yeah, they, it kind of surprised me because they had an opportunity. We talked to a couple people on the practice field. They had an opportunity. If they wanted to wait for this afternoon to practice indoors, they could have. There was a chance for them to. And they said, no, we're going to practice outside. It's 54 degrees here, right. I think, Berm. It's Ohio. <laughs> uh, it, it's Ohio weather. It's Ohio weather, right? I mean. Well, I think it's nicer in Columbus than it is in Scottsdale maybe, at this moment. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's nicer. It may be a touch warmer <laughs> today, but I don't think it's nicer. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, they, they got an opportunity to go out there and practice. It's, it's Ohio State. They're not afraid of the elements. Certainly not afraid of a little rain when it's in When's the mid-50s. cold front kick out? <laughs> cold front will be out of here by Thursday <laughs> afternoon. Um, and then we're still not going to get into average weather temps here in Phoenix, but not until Saturday. And then we're going to be stuck indoors. So our whole trip has been ruined. <laughs> The game itself is not going to be affected by the elements, which I think is important. Uh, but Spencer, those 15 minutes, was there anything that you took away from it? I think all eyes were really on Justin Fields, who talked this morning, said he, was, he felt like he was at 80 or 85%. He's still got a knee brace on. He's planning to play on Saturday night with the lighter brace. He did not look like he was 100% on the practice field, and I, I don't know if it's just what they were doing, if there was uh, any sort of... I don't suspect there's gamesmanship going on, but... You know, he's, he's not the uh, 4.38 speed guy right now. I think it's, he wasn't moving very well, but I think it has to do a lot with the big brace. I just think he hates wearing that big brace so much that he just kind of moves a little different with it on. Uh, I don't expect him to wear it against Clemson. He's been talking about how he's going to wear, like you said, the soft brace. For three weeks now, he's been saying, I'm wearing the soft brace during the game. During practice, I'm sure it's just precautionary, but it's still nice to have that big brace on, even though he hates it. Oh man! And I think he's just limping a little because he hates that brace so much. He just he just doesn't walk the same in that thing. When you're an athlete like Justin Fields, any sort of uh, impediment to your normal giddy up is going to affect you. <laughs> I'm channeling Tim May. Um, <laughs> he'll he'll be here soon. It, but I digress. It, it really um, throws a wrench into what you do and how you move and how you think, and a lot of that's just mental. I mean, it's a guy who's. Uh, one of the best athletes in the country as far as the college football goes, and he's just not used to having something in the way. And the brace he was wearing today was certainly still big and bulky. Uh, looked like a new brace, yeah. but it uh, looks, I don't know if they're just tinkering around and trying to find ones that work, but you could certainly tell that he was not comfortable. Uh, even just walking into the practice uh, area, he just seemed to have a very pronounced limp. And I, I don't know, I mean, maybe we're making too much of it. Maybe, as you said, maybe it's some gamesmanship, but I, I doubt that. That's yeah. And, and, well, that's what's interesting is, you know, I wrote about it and we've talked about it a number of times. I think even if Justin Fields is not 100%, uh, and I asked him this question this morning, he's done enough things where he can still be a quote-unquote pocket passer. Yeah. He can win games with his arm, and he's shown he's put that on film. He did that against Wisconsin, uh, and he was throwing the football absolutely fine, even out there in the wind and, and rain this morning, some deep shots. And 
we have to remember against Wisconsin, he was not even where he is now health-wise. Sure. And when they needed seven yards in the second half, he was willing to pick it up. He didn't want to run, but he was willing to get outside the pocket. He made a, a big throw to Chris Olave to start the second half outside the pocket. It's not like he's a statue. He's not Peyton Manning because he has a bad knee. <laughs> he, he, he can still move. It's just not the way he would probably like to. I think it's the beauty of Justin Fields is that you may not get him 100% in the run game, but even at 85% or 90 in the run game, he's better than 85 or 90% of the quarterbacks in the country. But when it comes to just being a passer, he's still in the top 3 or 4% of the country of just being a guy to drop back and throw the ball. So that's what makes him so special. That's yeah. what makes him such a challenge to defend. And that's why Ohio State, I mean, we talked about it back in the early, the first Wisconsin game. If Ohio State gets one-dimensional, they're still two-dimensional because they have the run option with the quarterback. Maybe that's taken out of the game, but indoors you're going to have the, the full-on passing attack uh, on full display, and then you have J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague, and, and obviously, as Spencer said, you're still going to have the opportunity for Justin Fields to make some plays with his legs. I, I don't think that he's 100%. I think it's obvious that he's not going to be, probably until the offseason. I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be a, a procedure that he needs after the season, but he's playing through it, and, and you know, he, he like you said, he's thrown the football today with it. Being pretty blustery and, and rainy, he threw the ball pretty darn good. I think what's interesting, too, to go you go back all the way to week one and the way we talked about Justin Fields and the way Ryan Day wanted to develop him, that it was going to be don't run. And that was more like, okay, precautionary because right. of the lack of depth, but it was also because they want him to evolve as a passer. And he, he already came in pretty physically talented. Yep. That's not like it was a question. But he you know he's gotten more comfortable knows what the reads have to be, knows where the football needs to go, and he can certainly get it out uh, of his hand as well as anybody. We'll keep talking about Justin Fields, uh, not to, to belabor the yeah. point all week, but that's that's a big deal. This is the Heisman Trophy finalist and the quarterback of the number two team in the country. All offseason, I told anybody who would listen or watch this show that Justin Fields was the most talented high school quarterback I've ever seen in a, in, in a camp setting or um, you know a competition setting, and I think you've seen what makes him so special and so tough. and. It's not because he can run. It's because he's a really good throwing quarterback, and the Buckeyes want to bring that out of him. That's the reason he chose to transfer to Ohio State, so that he didn't have to no. be a guy that just ran the football all the time. But it certainly would be helpful for the offense with what's coming on Saturday night to have that option and have it be full speed. But, you know, it's Ohio State. They have 85 guys on the roster for a reason. All right, Spencer, eight guys came out here to Camelback to uh, talk with us this morning from Ohio State. What's the most interesting thing you heard? The most interesting we're not going to talk about a lot, but it was the fact that Kevin Wilson was very upfront about his rumors with Colorado State. I just thought that was very interesting. Uh, I thought it was really cool. What did he say? No. He just He's like, you know, these coaching rumors, my, my kids called me, and they, they were like, what is this about? And I was like, yep, there was interest. He was just very <laughs> upfront about it. And it was just surprising to finally hear a coach say, yeah, there was some truth to that. It didn't happen. Let's move on. Right. Uh, but he had a lot of praise for uh, for Clemson's defense. I think, I think these guys respect Clemson's defense a lot more than – I knew they would, but everybody always wants to talk about Clemson's offense. These guys know what they're going to be facing is Clemson's defense. This defense is very, very talented, and Brent Venables talked about it as well, and I think that's part of the game that's not being discussed enough is that defense against Justin Fields and the offense. It's, it's going to be a, a great matchup. Most interesting thing you heard, Brent? I just thought it was the overall tone of Ohio State. In There's sort of been this competition in the last few weeks about which team playing here <laughs> is like more disrespected. <laughs> and you can't help but hear it with the Ohio State talks. There's a chip on the shoulder right now, especially talking to Jeffrey Okuda. 
Go, go talk to J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins <laughs> and Jeffrey Okuda. Those guys are, are pretty annoyed, I think, with the fact that people uh, all year long, and I, I mean, I tweeted this last week or two weeks ago, but like this team from a, like a metric standpoint, a lot of the analytics was like the most dominant team in the last 50 years yeah. uh, from start of the fi- season to the end of the season. And now nobody believes they can beat Clemson. And I think it's got to be just driving them nuts. And then you add in the, the Jim Thorpe Award uh, snub for Jeff Okuda, the, the Big Ten uh, running back of the year, the Doak Walker for, for J.K. Dobbins. I just think that there's a, a, a real uh, hefty chip on the shoulder of the Buckeyes. And it's not something that they generally have allowed to creep into their uh, conversation, you know? Like, they generally would rush that off, but you can hear it. It's pretty I, crazy that... Clemson is praising Ohio State so much, but talking about how they're disrespected. And Ohio State's praising Clemson so much and talking about how they're disrespected. Brett Venables called Ohio State Goliath today. And Clemson's the national champions right now. So it's, it's just kind of crazy to me that these Little two old teams... Little Clemson, man. The, the conversation, like Spencer's saying, has been so bizarre for this game because I think everybody here, and certainly us three that have talked about it, we believe that these are the two best teams in the country. And, you know, people love to talk about LSU, whatever. That's, that's fine. They can have their opinions. But just the way that these teams are, the way they filter the information and hear it is different. And they don't, they're not treating it as this huge battle. Like, they're trying to fight for respect, and they already have it. Uh, I think if you – the truth of the matter is if there's one team that deserves more and hasn't, you know, had the chance to really fully grasp it, it is Ohio State because everybody still looks at Clemson, and you guys both made this point that – you know, they won the national championship. They have the winning streak. It's, there's nothing for them that they haven't really already obtained. Right. This team has proved everything they need to prove. And, and I think that that's. I think you've seen that with Clemson throughout the course of this year, where it's very similar to the 2015 Ohio State team when they were rarely pushed, tested. They had one setback. They didn't get in the playoff. And, and I, I just find that to be the most interesting thing because Clemson deserved to drop in the polls. Yeah. I don't care what Dabo says. Uh, I don't care what any of the other Clemson Tigers had to say about the rankings and how they feel. If you don't beat anybody in the top 25 all year and you play an ACC schedule, you shouldn't stay at number one. They didn't deserve to. And they, I, I've said this a number of times. It doesn't mean that they're not really talented. I've seen the recruiting rankings. Uh, I know that their coaching staff is really good. They're going to be a great team. But this 2019 version of Clemson has not been tested the same way Ohio State has. Yeah, I, I just think that it, it's a program that has gotten to this point with it, where they're at right now by playing that underdog role. It's what Dabo's done for, for years. But it's hard to play the underdog role when you've won two of the last three national yeah. championships. <laughs> it's hard to play the underdog role when you're the top-ranked recruiting class in the country uh, two of the last three years. It's hard to play the underdog role when you don't lose when you win every game by 35 points. Um, you know, I, it's, and you're the it, favorite, and you're the favorite in this game <laughs> against a team that was ranked number one all year, pretty much. So, one other thing I thought was really interesting today, and we don't really get the opportunity to see it often, but. How animated and vocal and, oh and aggressive Ryan Day was speaking to the team prior to practice today. Um, we were, what, 50 yards away, and it was audible, and it was uh, clear what he was saying, and there was a lot of uh, gravel and, and piss and vinegar in his voice. And I, I think that that's when, – when the Buckeyes walked onto the field, like Justin Fields came in and Ryan Day ran over and grabbed him and started shaking him, and, like, you could tell that there was a different level of, of energy for him Uh, trying to get his guys to understand what they're up against. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys about that because it – I don't know specifically what he said, the message. I I got the gist of it. But you wouldn't have to know the words he was saying 
to recognize the urgency and intensity that he was bringing. I, we've talked about this all year long with him, that people, he's so laid back, he's so cool, and he's an analytical mind. And uh, you see the couple moments of flashes in press conferences where it's like, okay, it's, it's go time. He, this was about the, uh, the fieriest I've seen him maybe ever. The, ce the celebration after Penn State, the comeback, uh, you know, talking about Don Brown's comments, just the brief glimpses, but for an extended period of time, Boy, Spencer, I don't think I've seen anything like it from him. And you kind of see every once in a while, you'll see that look in his eye. And you know, we obviously couldn't see that from 50 yards away, but I was ready to run through a brick wall. I mean, he, had, <laughs> he had a lot of guys fired up, and I just think it's interesting. It's almost like nothing against Urban Meyer, but it's almost like a, a, that shock of energy that was put into the program in this offseason is it's reaching the point of where they wanted to be and now it's time to let all that energy out. Yeah, I think it feels he, yeah. like. It's almost like that energy is finally coming out. They, they balled it up for an entire season. There's just a shock of energy coming into the program because there's a 40-year-old head coach and a 40-year-old defensive coordinator and, and all these young coaches that are just fired up, and it's finally just starting to come out because they know what this game means. I think that it, you watch this, and, and again, we've talked about Ryan Day and his demeanor and the way that he handles the program differently than Urban Meyer, but there are different times when a coach has to be able to just flip that switch. And I, I, people have talked all, that Ryan is as competitive as Urban was and, and that you, we just don't get to see it. Like behind closed doors, I mean, the players will tell you to a man, he is a competitor, he, he is aggressive, but he's been so good and so professional handling the, the media side of things that we haven't had an opportunity to really get that glimpse. And seeing it today, even from 50 yards away, was an eye-opener because I, I didn't think that his voice had the ability to get to where it was today. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll look back and uh, we'll see what the outcome is on Saturday night, but if the Buckeyes are getting ready to win a national championship, they might, this might be the kind of speech that you go back and makes it in the highlight yeah. reels and, and they, they replay it because it's just, uh, it, it was special. You, you know, the, the hair stands up on your arms because you know how important it is to all these guys and especially ones like Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, J.K. Dobbins that we've talked about who haven't got to play in this situation before. They've played in the game. They've won three sets of gold pants. They've won the Big Ten three years every year they're on campus. But, I mean, they haven't been in this situation. Ryan Day hasn't been in this situation. It, there's just something about a coach in what's supposed to be nice weather, standing there in the rain, just firing up these guys when they could have chose to practice indoors, and they're already, you know, considering themselves, I think there was kind of like a hard-ass mentality because they, they happened to be outside in yeah. the rain, and then he just gets them fired up, and you could just tell, these guys are ready. It's it's only Tuesday, I think it's Tuesday, Christmas. It's bloody, it's bloody Tuesday, and that's, like, they talk about the importance of Tuesdays every week, that it's the one that sets the tone for them, and if that's the case, even what we just saw for 15 minutes, Ohio State is going to be ready to go on Saturday. We're going to have a lot more to break down as we get closer to Saturday night here in the desert. Spencer Holbrook, Jeremy Birmingham, uh, Austin Ward. Tim May will be joining us shortly as we keep rolling along with the playoff drive brought to you by Byers Auto. Uh, stick with us at LettermanRow.com for all the photos, recruiting coverage. Uh, Spencer's got some stories and features coming, and uh, my notebook will be up soon for you all at Letterman Row. All the coverage you could possibly need as of the Fiesta Bowl. This has been the playoff drive brought to you by Byers Auto. We'll see you tomorrow.